Hello and welcome to the Mental Health Gaming Podcast. We are now at episode 33. I'm Bradley and in an absolute surprise to no one, I'm joined by Stu. How are you doing, Stu? Yeah, I normally like to be the wild card, but I'm very much the normal card. So yeah, I'm all right. Good, good. I, I've got a stinking cold. Well, I've got a bun, a, 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 I'm bummed up. So you're going to get sexy audio from me today because I'm a little bit bummed up. Ooh, cheeky. I know. That's what that's what they come for. That's what they come here for. That's the rumour, yeah. Yeah. So some interesting, well, I say it's interesting, it's interesting to me. Topics a little bit later. Um, but as usual, we do talk video games. So, so rumour has it. So what have you been playing, Stu? I've been playing a, a, not that much this week, but I've played a couple for review and they're in the works. And one of them is a game called Shing and mm. it's a scrolling beat-em-up and, you know, Shing is like, sounds like it's onomatopoeic for like the noise <laughs> you make, isn't it? When the, when the sword swings around and stuff, but it just reminds me of Schwing from, uh, what's it called? Austin uh, Wayne's, Powers. Wayne's World. Oh, Wayne's yeah. World. Yes, sorry. Can, can we edit that? Can, can we edit that so I don't sound stupid? <laughs> it could be in both, <laughs> to be fair. They're both uh, Mike Myers, aren't they? Yeah, swing your pants. Yeah, um, yeah, that as well, Trevor and Simon. Oh, yeah. no. I now saw I'm them really in Covent Garden once. As, are they like that in real life? I, they were just walking past. They, were, they both had girlfriends with them, very pretty girlfriends, and they looked very smug. But uh, to be fair, the Trevor and Simon, I, I would be smug if I was Trevor and or Simon. I think if you can parlay such a minimal amount of talent into a BBC career, you're doing quite well. And they still get called upon for things today, so they're still getting paid just for being Trevor and Simon. I know, I know. Which American audiences that we've got are going, huh? Well, that's what YouTube's for, you see. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. Yes. No, it, the lowdown, and for anyone under the age of about 300 as well, you know, they were just kids' TV comedians in inverted commas. They weren't who... even major mates. They were like bit part in yeah. like Saturday morning live TV. It was yeah. really weird niche they carved out. Yeah, yeah, it was bizarre. The poor man's chuck. The poor man's chuckle brothers. <laughs> oh, God, can you imagine such a thing? Well, actually, yeah, because that's what they were. But yeah. <laughs> unbelievably, this doesn't have anything to do with the game. No, I do sound it's very much like Ashens then, by the way, with that last little bit. <laughs> good. He's good. Um, yeah, nothing to do with the game. The game is uh, fairly straightforward, about as straightforward as you can get, really. It's a scrolling beat-em-up, like brawler, weapons-based. And yeah, you, you cut stuff up. And to be honest, there's not really much more to say than that. It does everything it does okay. It's fine, you know, it's fun. But it's got absolutely nothing new to it that I could discern, to be honest. And for one of the oldest genres going, that's a bit disappointing in itself. But what it does, it's absolutely fine and and it's a laugh. And I think if it would really come into its own in four players because it's four-player capable. So, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, it's not too bad. Damning with faint praise a little bit. Yeah, so it's, is it just one of those games where I always hate, I always loathe to actually say, should get this in a sale. But there's quite a few games where you kind of have to go, if you see that drop to about half its current price, then definitely pick it up and have it in the backlog. Um, because it's one that looks like it's worth picking up and playing when you've got just a spare bit of time, but not one that you go, that's a must play game to have right now. Well, I'll have to have a look into it, but I think 
it'll be four player online. And in that case, if you like playing those sorts of games online and or you have a friend group who'd be into it, then it's the sort of thing you should probably buy brand new at full price because mm. you'll get a lot out of it that way. Um, otherwise, if you're only going to play it one player, from what I've experienced so far, it's probably, yeah, wait wait for a sale. But, I mean, you know, it's not terrible by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I think there might be a demo. So, yeah, there is a demo. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, try it out. But I don't mind games that are just, do you know what? They're all right in their genre. It's been done, but this was more the same. I don't mind those sort of games when they just know what they are. As long as they're not coming out and going, we're reinventing the wheel and they're just happy to be that, yeah. then good, good for them. I hope it gets them some success. Yeah, me too. Although I, I can't help thinking that, like, that, you know, so many of the, we've mentioned this on the podcast before, but you can't help thinking so many of the things that you can add to make a game of a genre, like stand out from the genre mm-hmm. and then expand on those ideas of kind of being left on the table. And when it's like my, my favorite, and I would argue the best scrolling beat up ever is alien versus predator by Capcom 1994. I think it was, mm-hmm. uh, I would argue that's the best one. And that's got all sorts of amazing stuff in it. Far too much to go on about here. But when there's a 26 year old game that comprehensively is better than what you've produced, you have to look at yourself and go, well, what could we do to, to add more to this, to add a new dimension? Um, so it is a bit disappointing from that point of view, but yeah, no, it's perfectly fine. It's perfect. But at, the, but at the same time, has anyone ever battered, uh, battered, bettered the SNES based Super Mario games? Um, the answer's no, before we get into an <laughs> argument. Yeah. Yeah. Although I would say that the Mario 2D games are genius. Yes. Whereas, even though I'm obsessed and in love with Alien vs. Predator, I wouldn't say it was genius. No. I wouldn't say it was just functional, but I'd say it is, and it, it is exceptional in that it's an exception to everything else, barring maybe Guardian Heroes and a couple of other little bits. But I, I still wouldn't call that genius. Where I was, I would say Mario is genius. And I, even when I was playing them at the time, I, I kind of thought they would never be bettered. Yeah. So, yeah, it depends on where you set your bar. It's so personal, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. And I'll I'll talk about setting a bar. Please do. For the game I've been playing, that I set a bar so high for this, I probably shouldn't have been surprised to be disappointed by it. So I'm going to describe this game, and you're going to mark off indie game bingo as we go. Ah, our favourite game. Excellent. Yeah, go for it. So we've got here a 2D fighter that's also a beat-em-up, it's a battle royale made by a, a small developer. It stars characters from such indie games as Guacamelee, Darkest Dungeon, Dead Cells, Owlboy, and, and loads of others as well. And they all do battle. Blocks That Matter as well, which is a really niche indie game, by the way, that's in there. And they all do 2D fighting to obviously with a bunch of story and stuff like that. But it's got all the little um, indie elements that I should love. Um, so I don't think we've got full bingo, but I think we've got a line out of that. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. If I had roguelike it would, and there was a card battling kind of bit in it, that would be it. Yeah, oh God, yeah. But dear God, it is the most mundane, boring, insipid 
affair I've ever played. That is just it just seems like a waste. So I don't, I don't know if I was expecting because it's a, a, a mashup of all like the best indie characters across so many games that I was expecting something along the lines of Brawlhalla, which is in itself a an homage, shall we say? Are you allowed to? Yeah, you, you go homage, don't you? When it's a, clearly a rip off, but it's a well done rip off. We we go. That's not a rip off. Yeah. That's an homage. Yeah, when you want to sound classy right. and yeah, yeah, when you're not, when you don't want to be actionable and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, when the game's not that good, do you turn around and go, "Well, that's a complete rip-off. Correct. So yeah, Brawlhalla is an homage to uh, Super Smash Brothers, and it does it really well. And it's got a few characters that are brought in from different properties. Like I know there's Adventure Time characters in there, Rayman's in there, um, and a few others. But this is the love letter to indie games. And that's all good. It looks nice. It looks nice. And all the indie characters have been there in their own guises. It's just boring. It doesn't do much. The fighting, they've simplified the fighting mechanics down, which I appreciate. But I, even for me, they've simplified them too much that it doesn't ever feel like you're in control as such, that it's just like, well, it's more rock, paper, scissors on a base level than it is like the that being the absolute core and then it's expanded upon. It just feels like it's playing rock, paper, scissors. It's slow and it's meandering. Levels are just not that inspired. And what frustrates me more than anything with Bounty Battle is that somewhere in there, when I first put it on and I played the like the tutorial with a couple of opening fights, I played it and I was like, there's something in here. There's something in here that really wants to get out and that has the potential to be something. But it's just it's just missing the point. Now, the issue I've got with this, and I really hope that they support this going forward, this game, and try to improve on it, and they can pull a No Man's Sky out of their pocket somehow, is I've got no reason to play this over Brawlhalla. Because Brawlhalla does most of what this what I want this to do, and it's a free-to-play game where I can buy the characters I really, really want. Whereas this, it's just over £15, currently on sale for just under at the time of this recording. But it's it's a £15 game that feels like it should have been free-to-play. And... yeah. That I've, I worry that they've got our money now or that people who have kind of jumped into this have, have paid their money. So what incentive do they have now to continue to work on it? Um, I hope they do because I said, there's something in there. As much as I describe it as boring and insipid and uninspired, that's because that's the shell of it. But inside, they, they, oh, I don't know, there's something wanting to get out and I just can't put my finger on what it is. So it's one I hope to go back to in six months or a year to find they've overhauled the fighting system in just enough that it becomes an exciting and worthy-to-play game. But as it stands at the moment, I was gutted that this is a bad game. What was that one called? And I don't say that often. Bounty Battle. Bounty Battle. I'll steer clear of that. No, you you very rarely... In full hipster mode, you probably haven't heard of it. (laughs) No, but... You very rarely criticise stuff, you know, harshly. Well, yeah. neither of us do, but particularly you. And so mm. if you're saying it's it's rubbish, then that's it. I'm staying well away. Yeah, I mean, I, I did wonder. I, I generally, when I play games um, personally, especially when I play them for uh, a, a video or for review, I try not to look at anything else about it. So it's my opinion. 
So I, I recorded my bit for it and I was disappointed. Um, and I thought, right, am I going against the grain? I bet I'm going against the grain and I've missed something totally obvious. And then I checked the Steam reviews and yeah, they're, they're negative. No one who's played it is liking it. There's the odd people who will say it's decent but still have many issues with it. But on the whole, it's getting purely negative reviews from it. So I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll yeah. see. Justified. Yeah, no, that yeah. sounds that sounds like one. Like you say, wait for a year, see if they pick it up. Um, yes. There was something that I played not long ago when it was... Oh, yeah, it was that... Um, oh, goodness me, what was it called? Uh, oh, was it Kutaragi? Oh, what's it called? The ninja one that I was playing. Um, Aragami. Aragami? Yes. Yes. yes, that's it, Aragami. That's getting yeah. a sequel, by the way. Yeah, I saw that it was. Yeah, and I will definitely be buying that. Yeah, yeah. Unless it turns out to have completely pooed the bed, as they say, I think I'll be getting that straight away because I was really impressed with that. And there are not many Tenchu style games out there. But yeah, no, that was one where it was complete garbage at release and then got completely transformed within a year. <clears throat> so it can happen. It can. Ha- it's not rare. It's not common, but it can happen. Yeah. No, f- fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, so have you got anything else? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've played a couple of things. Um, go on. I had to go at uh, Sayonara Umahara Kawase, which is, do you remember Umahara Kawase? It was on the SNES. Uh, Vaguely, yes. Yeah, Vaguely. It's, this, mm, it's, it's a platform game, a little bit like Bionic Commando, where you use like a, a winch system to flip yourself around the levels. And it's all right, yeah, it's quite, quite good, the original one. This one, uh, not so good. Uh, I think it's really weird because it's in VR, but it's still a side, side-on platformer, mm. which, you know, that's fine. It's, uh, it's nice to have the extra immersion. But it's just, it's not very exciting. And the graphics are absolutely abysmal, which don't mind because, you know, they're, they're colourful and I don't care that it's a bit rubbish looking. But... The weird thing is that the main character is animated at, you know, 60 frames. No, it's, it's higher than 60 frames per second, obviously. It's like 90 on, on VR. But the backgrounds are all in a different speed. And you know we were talking about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, where characters are animated at different frame rates so yeah. that they can they have a different impression on you. Well, it's like well, that, it, but in a... It, in if, a you're interested, if you're interested in more debate on that, if you check out our Patreon you can get an in-depth discussion about Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Exactly, Sorry, yeah. sorry to interrupt you to plug, but apparently you should be doing that more often. Like, yeah, cross-promotional is great. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's like that, that, you know, that the background is, is a different frame rate and that's really weird. I'm, I'm very poor programming and it constantly puts you off because it's a big deal. It's in on a flat screen. It's like, oh yeah, that doesn't run very well. But in VR, it's like, oh, oh God, when I look at the background, I feel sick. So it kind of completely ruins itself by having that com- completely bizarre technical flaw. So I kind of abandoned that pretty much straight away. So the fact I paid three quid was, a, you know, a good thing. Um, and the other thing to mention is that I decided to have another go on Outrun 2006 on PC again, which I periodically have to go back to because it's just amazing. And I haven't downloaded hotshot racing yet and yeah that's just it's just such a wonderful game it's one of the greatest racing games of all time without a shadow of a doubt and bizarrely the the ancient pc version you can 
put it in any resolution you like and it does it properly. So I was putting it in, in ultra widescreen and it was running beautifully and in ultra widescreen. So it still looks amazing. So that was lovely to go back to. It's like a, it feels like a summery slash autumnal game to me. It just, it just links in with the seasons really well. So yeah, I loved replaying that. It's just amazing. Is it, that's one of those games, though, I fear that if I was to go and play that before playing Hot Shots Racing, it'd ruin Hot Shot for me. Yeah, it might do. Yeah. Um, you, kind of, you kind of, in your, I think games like Outrun, when you've got them in your memory, you can kind of mould them to how you want them to be to tell you uh, the game you're about to play. That, oh, this is a really good game. It's just like that used to be to a degree. So you can kind of use like your imagination a bit. But I think if you play it, just before playing the spiritual successor, so to speak. That spiritual successor then I think goes, oh, ouch, that's not quite what I was expecting. Yeah, you can, yeah, scupper your own ship doing that, definitely. Yes. Yeah. And have you played the, of, Yes, I was just going to say, have you played Hot Shots Racing yet? I've got it, but I haven't played it yet, no. Fair play. Uh, probably because I didn't play to us, because I was going to segue nicely, and I was going to talk, say, talking of spiritual successors, as we was doing, I've been playing more Pacer, which was known as Formula Fusion. I think we touched on it last week. Yeah. Um, and it's, I didn't realise it's actually got the Designers Republic behind it, or part of it as well. So it has everything about it. It is pretty much wipeout without the spit and polish and where they've gone absolute and this is i think a genius move the gameplay like screw screw all the gameplay if the gameplay is fine it plays a really good game of wipeout but the genius thing where it lacks maybe the budget and the spit and polish of of wipeout at its best the environments you're in they're actually worn and decayed as though you know in the background something's gone on with this world it's not a perfect world. So you've got all the neon of the signs and the designs and the adverts and everything like that going on. The ships all look the part. But the tracks themselves are all showing signs of where the buildings in the background, you look at some of them and some of them are really run down as though, you know, maybe you are racing through like some kind of slum town or something like that. And it's just like, this is really clever in certain ways they knew they couldn't match the graphical powers of a 4k wipeout game if you look at the amiga collection how good that looks the designers of this that makes this knew they probably wasn't going to be able to match that i didn't want to be actually look wipeout six fake edition or anything like that so they made a couple of really clever design decisions that pretty much subconsciously tell you hey look look we know we're basing this on Wipeout. Um, and it's a good game, so it's an homage to Wipeout. It's not a rip-off. But we are going to be an homage to Wipeout. We're going to wear our influences on our sleeve. We are happy to do that. But, look, we can't make it look as wonderful as Wipeout. But in doing so, that's what they've done. It is absolutely fascinating. Honestly, absolutely brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And I've loved it every moment I've been with that game so far. Right. Well, I have a very different experience with it. As I, I backed it on Kickstarter and I got it early, yeah. uh, which you know, might well have coloured my reaction to it a little bit because when it came out, it was very poor, had a lot of bugs, mm. and the design wasn't great. Handling was was a bit whack. Uh, I've come. I came back to it about a year after that, and I think it's okay. 
I know that it's designed by some of the X Wipeout developers. Yeah. So they've got a big hand in it. But they were also, I know, quite keen to not just make it another Wipeout game. Yes. Um, so I talked about Redout last week, and Redout is basically another Wipeout game. It's yeah. complete ripoff. Or as we said before, homage, you know. So it's definitely in that ballpark with Redout. But with, with Pacer, it's, yeah, it's trying to be something else. And it is midway between you know, F-Zero and Wipeout with a couple of other wrinkles, I think, I, I feel like. Um, I personally found that I didn't really engage with it. I, I thought that no matter where you adjusted the cockpit, the distance wasn't quite right. I thought that the, the zero point, the horizon point was wrong, so that it was always a bit too far away, which nullified some of the sense of speed and also made it difficult to take corners. And... I just found the the track designs as well to be quite mediocre and not very exciting. So for me, it was really bog average. But yeah, so but you didn't feel that way, no? No. Now, let me caveat everything with I'm not very good at Wipeout. Um, and I found Wipeout to be too fast for me at times. And I was literally just bouncing around tracks in later levels and I felt I was never in control. So for me, I think this slowed things down just enough that I felt like I was actually in a race and I was in control. So maybe that is why I had a positive effect because I was doing better at this than I probably ever did at Wipeout. Um, And that could well have skewed my feelings on it. But as I say, I get where you're coming from as well because it lacks something... Everything about it is almost like it's a step down from Wipeout. But, you know, again, we spoke about Mario, 2D Mario earlier. Wipeout is the pinnacle of that type of game. It is the absolute pinnacle. So anything that follows it is never going to better it. And this this falls into that category. It's, it's good, but it's not Wipeout. But for me, I enjoyed it because I wasn't very good at Wipeout, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does completely. Yeah. Yeah. And just to follow up, um, see, I think we've got the title for this episode, by the way. Another game that is influenced by Stroke Homage is called A Grief Helm, which is, in many ways, it's a what can you do with Nidhogg to make it a better, not a better game, but a different game. So what Grief Helm is, it's like a medieval battle game so it's on a 2d play you use close court quarters combat and you battle enemies on a, on a 2d plane as you move through the level and it's looked at how you repost how you attack how, how you defend and how you move and takes all that consideration like you get in nidhogg but in a much more considered way so it's slower than nidhogg but everything feels weightier so the actual combat in it if you're holding a sword and you swing the sword, you actually feel the weight behind it and that you're actually trying to make contact. And if you get it wrong, you're open for a, 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 an attack back at yourself. So you can't just go in swinging wildly. Various different enemies within Grief Helm are really good as well. You, you can go through some easier than you can others. But at the same time, it's never in a way that you just... Just get rid of all this fodder and just get to the end. You've still got to be careful with how you attack these enemies. It's really good. It's got a decent, meaty single-player campaign that's worth checking out. And if you just want some good old Nidhogg-style gaming, on the local and online multiplayer, well done, by the way, on that, for local and online, 
you've got a tug of war mode, which is essentially gritty Nidhogg, uh, gritty Nidhogg even. And it's just a really, really good game. Nidhogg is still, again, is probably the standard setup because that is just such a joy to play. But this, this, this is a really, really good take on it. And again, it probably goes into the realms of don't rush out and buy it, but if you get it in a sale, you're not going to go far wrong. No, fair enough. I, I is Nidhogg the one that it's uh, a bit like Rastan, and but it's um, a rogue like. So you've got an axe and you're walking along and. No, no, Nidhogg is basically it's a multiplayer um, fencing game. Ah, uh, yes. Basic graphics. I always do that. I can confuse Nidhogg with whatever that one's called, Volgar or Volgar or something. Is Volgar the Viking? Possibly. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's great um, podcasting, by the way. This is <laughs> we do our research. But yeah, yeah no, to be honest with you, we don't. Like, we don't. We never go into it. Going, what game are you going to talk about? What game are you going to talk about? Because I always find it more natural and interesting that we react to what the other ones actually say, rather than having a script ready in our minds. Yeah. So everything you get, all the mistakes you hear, all the like, even the bits we get wrong, we have opinions that might be wrong, or where we come up with differences of opinion. It's all natural. None of it's ever scripted because it doesn't feel right to do it that way. Also, I'm ADHD and I can't script anything. So, but there you go. <laughs> Whatever that <laughs> game is that Stu's talking about, no one knows. I'm scrolling through Steam right now to have a look. Uh, and I don't think I've got it on Steam. So that worked well, didn't it? Yeah. Well, we'll, yeah. we'll pretend it's Volgar the Viking. And if we are completely wrong, that, that'll probably get us more listeners when they correct <laughs> yeah. us. I'm pretty confident it's that Volgar thing. So anyway, yeah. so this one, Griefhelm, is like Near Dog, which is the fencing one that looks like it was built on a, a Atari VCS. Yes. But this is... Uh, so the best thing about this, sorry, just to point out, visually it is really really good so the character models are look like they're fully 3d created but they're set on almost a full silhouette you can see little hints of detail in them as you play through different environments and they're really well lit by by whatever the situation is the backgrounds themselves are super super detailed and where this is brilliant and they get and um, they get the balance really right is by having the characters semi-silhouetted, you can see their movements properly. You can see their body outlines. You can see every every move they're trying to make, and they don't get lost on the background. If they'd have gone for trying to do this really fully, overly detailed character models on these overly detailed backgrounds, I don't think this game would have played as well. But if they'd have gone for these character models, are oh, they super flat, just silhouetted on on a certain style of background? That wouldn't have worked. They've balanced it really, really well. It's honestly, give it a go. Again, I don't think it's a game that people should rush out and buy unless they loved Nidhogg. But it's definitely worth it if you catch it in a Steam sale or a Humble sale or something like that. Ah, oh, very good. I think that's it for games at the moment. I mean, I've played... Oh, I've got Art of Randy coming up, by the way. Oh, my God. I can't Ooh. wait. I can't say anything. In fact, I can't say anything because I've not actually played it yet. But, however, if that doesn't turn out to be one of my games of the year, based on what I've seen already, then they have done something very, very, very wrong. And that's before I've even pressed play now. Nice. You should look forward to that one, then. 
Yes, next week. So it's either going to be me waxing lyrical or this going to be the rant of all time. One of the two. Yeah. How could you mess this up? Ah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I expect it to be difficult because it's from the guys who done um, Drift, Drift, Drift. I'm now checking my Steam things. I know this game. I played it. I loved it. And it's Drift something or other. 21 that we were talking about last week. Oh, no, no. Not that one. Oh, um, oh my Christ. What's it called? See, this is how you know. We don't script. Absolute Drift, sorry. Which is, it's an indie game, as you may be shocked to hear, um, <laughs> that basically gives you a playground in which you go, you get a car that's got brutal drift controls, like brutal in a good way. And basically you have to do this like over, like this top down view Jim Carter type stuff um, that not Ken Burns, Ken Block does. Um, these famous for those kind of things. It's really good. It's from the makers of that. So that's what piqued my interest. And obviously, trailers of it, the look of it, everything about it just looks, oh my Jesus, this is, ah, yeah, I can't wait. Nice. But onto things I can wait for. I'm okay at this old Segway stuff. Fantastic. Is I'm awaiting a, I was going to say a home pregnancy test then. That's not right. I'm awaiting a home COVID test. Not for me, but for my son, who at the weekend's just gone, um, got a high fever and a cough. Um, so we called to school just to say that he's not going to be in. Um, and they've gone, what are the symptoms? We told them and said, right, he cannot come back in until he's had a test. And that we've got the results of that test. It's like, okay, that's fine. And I've looked more and more into what's actually got to be done. And my son's going to hate us once we've done the test on it, because it's brutal. I'm sure medieval torture isn't as bad as what a COVID test is. You've had one, haven't you, Stu? I have, and it was very unpleasant. Uh, you're an adult, so you can kind of accept that. I've got an ADHD, an autistic child. I've got to ram something down his nose and throat. For What is it? It's like it's a good amount of time you've got to keep it there, isn't it? Yeah, it's like 10 or 12 seconds and you've got to wiggle it around. And when you do it on your tonsils, it just makes you gag. Like, you can't yeah. stop. You can't stop that. Mm. So did you do it yourself or did you, like, did your partner do it to you and then... I did it for myself and, yeah. Uh, it's a, I think it would probably be a bit easier doing it for yourself because you know when to expect things. Yeah. Um, so what our, what our plan is, is to, to literally pin him to the floor to hold his arms and legs down and then hold his head still and just force it. We've told him this, you know, we're not just going to like surprise him and, and pin him down because that's just, oh, no, it'd make a good video. It but would no, be entertaining. Yeah. It would, but no, we, we prepared him and said, look, mate, this is what we're going to do. We're going to have to pin you down because I know how he's going to react. He can't take tablets because he, he gags on tablets. So just to give you an idea of what to expect. Um, so yeah, we're gonna have to pin him down, hold his head, and just force it. Obviously, we told him, Look, we're not doing this because we want to, we're genuinely not gonna get any joy out of it. And obviously, if he wants to go back to school and play football, it's got to be done, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, I'm stuck in, he's got to self isolate, my daughter's self isolating as well, which means they're. But, you know, because what I've really wanted to look forward to is spending more time with my children after six months. Well, of course. I've got yeah. a couple of weeks off, yeah. 
Um, but it's yeah, it's but it's 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 the rules around it that have made me angry more than anything. But as it stands at the moment, nothing has to be done. So no one else apparently needs to isolate. I can't go to the hospital for an appointment. That's as far as it goes. My partner is told she can still go to work and we can still go and do shopping and stuff like that. Anyone who's been in contact with so his school year, um, his football, his ice hockey, all things like that, they've been told but and told you don't need to self-isolate. It's almost as though we're being told, look, COVID's not actually going to attack anyone unless you have a test. And then once you've had the test, and it's not going to do anything until you've had the results, as soon as you come down with the symptoms and you are waiting the test, this is surely when anyone you've been in contact with, that's when they need to self-isolate as well. Because once it's showing, you've already incubated it. Surely there's a chance you've spread it and we need to narrow that down. So by letting everyone carry on for another week before you potentially need to shut them down. Now, let it be said, I think he's only got a cold. I think he's only got COVID. I don't think he's got COVID and he's taken the test because the school said he's got to. But if you're allowing X amount of days, because it's taken, you can't just get a test easily at the moment. That's a pain in the ass as well. But if you're taking that amount of time, that's that amount of time for potential secondary spreading and stuff like that. The R number's back over one as it is. And we're allowing that to happen. So it's got me angry that it's being allowed to happen like that, that we're allowed out. My daughter technically is allowed back to school. There's nothing to say she can't go back to school. We're just taking the decision because she had the sniffles as well just to play play that safe. She hasn't got to take the test, luckily, uh, because I'm not doing anything to that murderous little thing. Um, they give her an excuse to kill us down the line. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's, I, I don't get the theory behind only telling people to isolate once you've got the positive test. Surely once you're going for a test and you need that test, people you've been in contact with should be isolated. Well, I think if you're trying to look at uh, look at logic in any of this situation, it's going to drive you bananas, <laughs> mate, because there isn't any. And it, it's kind of like if you've got a dark sense of humour, it's pretty funny because the government have, have messed stuff up so badly that they all the corrections that they do and all the little things that they do to sort of try and justify their patterns of behavior just come across as <laughs> completely mental. Yeah. So you've got it's like, you know, it's like somebody saying, uh, oh, well, we're going to we're going to hang you. But, um, you know, we're only we're only use a certain type of rope and it'll only be a certain level of drop and you know oh not all the public will come and watch we're only allowing 20 people you know what i mean it's just placing like these arbitrary factors and you're still like but it i'm still getting hung you know what i mean yeah so yeah it is bananas it, and it doesn't make any sense whatsoever you know it's, no. it's bureaucracy for bureaucracy's sake to try and make it look as though there's a plan yeah and, and someone i was discussing recently with someone about the idea of you know when do, when's another lockdown going to hit another nationwide lockdown we see the numbers rise it's going to get colder which probably helps the virus spread so when are we going to hit and they just around when when i they don't think we are because people have got their pubs back they've got their mcdonald's back they're not going to give that up people barely obeyed the rules when it was really strict to start with 
people aren't going to, because they're going to look at it and go, well, we can do it this way, we can do it this way. And clearly, it, it's, it's not had an effect. And people just go about their daily business still. So I, I think we are now in a situation where there's no end in sight to this at the moment. And I saw someone else put, can we all stop talking about when this is all over for making plans? Because realistically, that's not a thing anytime soon. And again, it's just, it's like the whole way is theoretically we played football on Sunday and he got ill Sunday night. I've showed the Simpsons on Sunday night. So theoretically his football team immediately should be shut down. The team they played, they should be shut down. Then you've got to look at go, right, do you then move across to, do we need to then shut down anyone they've been in contact with? But to me, straight away it should be, right, he's isolated, that's fair enough. The players he was in contact with, they should all be isolated. And then if he tests positive, then you spread it out. But there's nothing to say that immediate contact. And it's that that's what's going to cause this to not end because everyone seems scared of putting in draconian measures because of the negative connotations of draconian measures but it needs something now it needs someone with with some balls shall we say to actually step up and go look i don't care about the vote i don't care about whether this keeps me in power whether this loses me the fight for going for this or whatever 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 and this is what's going to happen like it or not for the next 12 months, this is how life is going to be. Either that or there's no life moving forward. Screw the economy. We just need to make sure we get through this because we didn't act in time. We didn't lock down properly. Everyone flaunted it. And I'm, I'm not going to lie. I've done things. I've gone out and gone to things and take, take, taken chances that I probably shouldn't have because we're human. And we got told, or we saw those in power taking liberties. So uh, we go, well, if it's okay for them, then it's okay for us, knowing what the dangers are. But then it, we're not the decision makers. This is where we need to be told, no, look, this is what we're doing now to stop this. Or we just release it completely and we let it spread and kill off whoever. But this half arsing at the moment is just ridiculous. Yeah. And who's actually going to grass up groups of six or more, by the way? Precisely. It's not, I mean, God, it's such a big subject. There's so much we could, we could talk about. Yeah. Um, and we've done and it I hate in the past. We talk about, I hate that we're talking about it. It's ridiculous, but it's destroying me mentally at times. Yes. It, yeah. It gets to a point where it kind of, what you've lost in terms of your freedom and what you've gained in terms of the level of fear becomes, you know, a lot to take. And it's very, very difficult sometimes. And I think from a mental health perspective, it, it absolutely has to be um, acknowledged. And one of the things that's been very upsetting is when companies and the government use mental health issues as an excuse for people to go back to work. Yeah. So saying, oh, well, you know, it'll, the suicide rate will climb um, because people are lonely and isolated. And it's just like, well, A, that's, I'm pretty confident that's a spurious assumption anyway, because, you know, I, I just don't believe that will be the case. I'd look into it, but I don't believe that would be the case. But also, you know, it's just politicizing it and trying to use it as a weapon to get people back out spending. Yeah. And out of everything that the government has done or failed to do, the whole thing of, of focusing on 
profit and the economy before people has put themselves in a situation where they can't really back out from it without causing uh, riots. So yeah, yeah, it's it's a very <laughs> it's a very bad situation to be in, sadly. Yeah, yet bizarrely, we can still where we are in this country, we can still sit back and watch America literally burn into the ground. I go, at least it's not that bad. Yeah. Uh, It's ridiculous. Mm. Yeah, countries very much go through, they kind of carry their stereotypes quite a bit. And I think with with the UK, it's very much been um, playing on the whole stiff upper lip concept that we're different from other countries, that we're special, that if we we can do it however we want because the way that we do things is best. And also that, you know, that we shouldn't have to have laws. And this goes all the way back to the, the fact that we don't have a constitution, a proper constitution, because, we, because we're not a republic. Yeah. Um, we should just accept our betters without it being law, just because they've got more money and more power. You just listen to them and you don't question them on a legal level. Um, and also that your betters instruct you so that you police the rest of your class so it's very much like you know you're you're now in charge of tutting at people in the street for not wearing a mask or yeah. you know tutting for being six more than six of you and that's the way that they're playing it and it's it's just childish and irresponsible and you know i won't comment on america's thing in depth but that to me feels like they're following their own private personal pattern as well so yeah yeah yeah. It's uh, yeah. Say from the, the mental health point of view. I mean, to go on a bit more personal. Cause I, again, I don't want this to be a political episode again. It, it's very difficult not to be. Just that's what happens when you start a podcast in twenty twenty, isn't it? Really. But <laughs> yeah. um, hey, we're going to do a my little pony podcast. Okay, what's the main subject? Well, the world's burning down. Let's talk about that. Um, on a personal level, from your own mental health or your partner's mental health starts, when you was waiting for the test and then waiting for the results, what was going through your, your mind with it? Because that, that's something we've not hit yet. You know, what, what happens after the test? Because we're just so assumed it's going to come back negative, but we've not gone through the, right, what happens if this is positive? So what went through your mind? Well, it's weird. I was being hyper-aware of everything. And I think that it's the sort of hyper-awareness you don't generally have when you get a virus. So normally when you get a cold or a, a mutation on it, um, not the flu, because when you got the flu, you know you got the flu. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've had proper flu. It's horrible. Well, it's the worst. So bad. But when you've got like a nasty virus, you, you kind of go, oh God, yeah, I've got the temperature thing. I'm aching all over. I'm going to take a load of drugs and go to bed. Not recreational ones, but you know. And I was more like, okay, this hour I'm feeling this way. Oh, I've got a little, I've got a little twitching pain in my kidney there. Is that something? And, you know, well, uh, this thing aches. I've got a weird ache in my shoulder. Is that connected? And you're just like hyper aware of, ev- well, I was, of everything going on in my body. And it was like, you know, is this the signs of something? And then I was just kind of like, well, if it is, there's nothing I can do about it. I'm just going to be pragmatic about it. And after about a week, it was starting to feel a little bit better. So I was like, well, if it's starting to feel better after a week, then I've probably only got, if I've got it, I've only got a weaker version of it. Mm. So 
I have to sort of mentally prepare myself for the fact that I might have health complications down the line. If it was COVID, I might have a weaker heart. I might have poor lung function. You know, it, this might never go away. So yeah. it was kind of like just prepping yourself for the worst in a, in a way. That's how it was for me anyway. Yeah, it's... See, that's just not here. I don't know if it's because, again, believing the it doesn't affect kids as much, etc., etc. their baby just carriers or anything like that. Um, but I've got a feeling that the next week, once he's had the test, I think it will start to become more real as to what potential issues there could be. Um one of the things he felt gutted with regards to his football side of stuff that he's let people down and, and stuff like that. And he's tried to explain to him that it's nothing you've done wrong. Um, it's, it's a virus. Anyone can get it. Um, you know, we've taken all the proper precautions where possible. So it's just one of those things, unfortunately. But I want to make sure that he doesn't really suffer mentally from it. Um, and I think I'd be more okay if it was me. And I was the ones have to go through it, but it's it's feeding for a child who's now got to go through it and then deal with any repercussions to a degree. That that that's horrid that I can't take that away from him. Yeah, um, and that's the world yeah. we're we're in now. Yes, yeah, it must be completely different when it's something when it's your child and it's something that you can't mentally manage. You know, it's them that has to mentally manage it. Yeah, yeah, and and. Yeah, and when it hits home like that as well, you realise that you're you're living a completely different existence yeah. from the one that you were you were before. Yeah. So, but on that cheery note, um, because <laughs> I've now got talking of children, they're beginning to get a bit fed up with being locked in the uh, cupboard again. Um, we'll That's finish where it. They there. belong. It's where they yes, belong. It is. Yes. I'll teach them the meaning of seen but not heard. Um, <laughs> Right. Um, no, I won't. I've got to stop doing that. I've got to stop making jokes like that because it will come back and bite me on the ass. Um, <laughs> but yeah, as usual, if you do need to reach out about anything, if you are worried about what's what's going on in the world or anything on a personal level, please do reach out on Discord, Twitter, even email us direct. There's, it's all there for you. If you want to support us, we've got a Patreon going that has extra content that's all pop culture based, not mental health based. So there's some extra fun stuff there. And yeah, um, YouTube, Twitch, we're on there. Like, subscribe, all that kind of stuff. That banning you can hear, that is the devil children trying to get in. So I will end by saying goodbye. And until next time, stay safe. <laughs>